This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome back to your latest episode of Every Step Along the Way. Uh, we're in buoyant mood again. Uh, I'm joined by the ever-reliable and ever-present Michael Stockley. How are you, Mike? Yeah, I'm good, thanks, Dan. How are you? I'm not too bad, thank you. Um, another cracking win of the weekend. Coming a bit of a habit, this, isn't it? <laughs> it? It is, just a bit. And uh, we'll get into the Coventry results in a minute, but not before we introduce our our guest for this uh, podcast, Anthony Hall, making your return. Good evening. Good evening. How are you, Ant? I'm very well, thank you. Thanks for having me back on the cusp of uh, getting up at further up the league, by the looks of it. A wonderful performance Saturday. Absolutely wonderful. It's, it's close to perfect, because I think, as you could have, could have asked for, really. We're always getting that ten minute period where the home side, especially a side that is a good side like Coventry are. But I just thought we dominated the game. Well, we thought obviously you came on during the during the, the doldrums of pre Christmas, so we thought it's only fair to get you back on when we got a bit of a good run going. <laughs> Even then, Dan, I think, you know, we I've just said to Michael, we looked through it and we thought we were playing well. Yeah. We missed a lot of chances. You could actually see the potential there. Yeah, we were creating, you know, how many times did we think, how have we lost that game? Or, yeah. you know, even if it wasn't because how have we lost, you know, did, did we really deserve to lose that? And then it, it, I think it was happening that regularly once it, that it became a case of, right, well, we, can, we can't keep saying it every week. But yeah. but now it just seems to be transformed. I mean, for me, that Coventry performance was better than the Sunderland one. Don't so, yeah. I totally, yeah. It was. Yeah. I, mean, I think they're both they're both similar games, though, weren't they? I mean, we, we were quite quite dominant, really. I think from from the very beginning, like 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 you know, Ant said, they had like a 10, 10 minute spell, which is always going to happen. But we just seemed to. I think the switch has been like we, we were having chances in the in the prior games, and you know we were just one toe away from it, or Jacob would miss a sitter, or whoever would would miss what we would class as a sitter, but now it's like anything we touch just turns to gold. And, you know, you're coming away thinking, 4-0, great, could have been 7, could have been 8. Why wasn't it 7 or 8? And it's <laughs> we, we said about, like, Middlesbrough, and, you know, you come away and you think, oh, we should have bloody won that. And it's like, hang on, 
it's Middlesbrough, like the near the top of the league. Like we've set really high standards for ourselves, uh, and we're just you, dominating. If you look over the last eight championship matches we've played, um, apart from, I mean, Blackpool, we, we we played really well in that game. It was a bit like we're talking about on the season. We played really well without converting the chances and winning them, but um, the only game. That that was was not really a great game. It was the Millwall game? Yeah, but Millwall playing a kind of fashion that that you know doesn't. Uh, uh, I don't know. We got we got Gary Rowetted. <laughs> yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. That's how they play. It's not nothing wrong with the way they play. You know, no, we've done that. But yeah, yeah we've, done that. we've done it for a couple. Better, yeah, but done it for a couple of years. But um, I mean, we should we should know more than any, shouldn't we? That if you haven't got the budget to compete with the bigger sides in your division, then you find a way to compete. You know, we did it when we were in the Premier League, and that's what Millwall doing in the Championship, isn't it? It was, yeah. It is, yeah. But after what Mowbray had said about us and uh, not playing with the ball and things like that, how good was it to hear what Mark Robbins had to say? I thought, wow, after, you know, his interview afterwards. You know, I praised Stoke up. I thought it was wonderful. You know, after Mowbray, we won five one and deservedly won five one at Sunderland. And he was still yeah. looking put us down. He was still looking put us down. Mark Robbins. You, wow. I mean, you don't you don't score four and five in you know in, in what, about a month a month time four and five goals away from home unless you you're decent with the ball. <laughs> um, but I think the, the beauty of it at the minute is we just like. We seem to be able to adapt to how anyone wants to play. If, if other teams want to give us the ball and sit back, we seem to be able to break teams in and have more. Um, we get more bodies in the box these days, don't we? I think since Pearson's come in, it's freed up the other midfielders to join the attack, and I think we over we can overload the penalty area now where we go forward, and I think that makes a massive. Massive difference when you're trying to create chances. If, you know, if one of your wingers looks up and he's got four or five Stoke sheets in the box, so much better than if he's got you know one in the middle and one coming at the back post. He's thinking, you know, I've got avoid these to the half a dozen defenders. Pearson being there, I think he's just freed up Loren and Smallbone and it to get forward. It's a huge, it's a huge difference, mate. We we called this out a few times over the over the last I don't know month or so. Uh, just saying, like uh, you, when you look back at these highlights of where the goals are going in, just count how many bodies are in the box, and then go back to a prior game where you know we may have thought we were unlucky, and we've got one or two in the box. Like it, it's a complete night and day contrast. It is totally. We're bearing the fruits of a, a really good transfer window. He, he, he got players in. To do jobs for him, he knew they were, he knew they could do them jobs, and it, it, it's shown. It's shown. You know, we, we look a really good side. I mean, he can't get a look in at the minute. I mean, we'll get really into the game in a minute. But Lewis Baker for me can't get a look in in this side of the minute because the midfield, they're all complementing each other, aren't they? They're all playing really well, top of the game. But I still wouldn't write him off, especially with Smallbone going. I think. Yeah, if, if we get Pearson and that holding, and you've got Baker breaking and running and around the box, he could be getting himself ten goals a season. Couldn't he do it? You know, breaking into the box like that. I still wouldn't, say, be, wouldn't be writing him off yet. No. Can Can Baker play that small bone role? Do you think? I think he could. Like he knows where the net is, and he's he's got plenty of energy. So why well, couldn't he? The th- The thing is, I mean, look at how we played 
I mean, Nick Powell, we'll, we'll discuss him later on as well yeah. <laughs> in detail. Uh, but Nick Powell made his return, didn't he? Um, and he plays a number nine. Now, he sort of, he was like a false nine. So he he was leading the line, but then he'd drop in as well and let Lorenz Mulbone run past him once he and, and obviously draw the fullback, the, the centre-backs out. Now, if you are going to play with somebody, whether that is Nick Powell or somebody like a Nick Powell, in that position, who's creative and, and can do that, then you definitely can play Baker further back because I think him and Loren, if you've got the high press of the front three, and then, like I say, we, we've we've commented before, we Mark, in recent weeks, they're waiting for that. The they're front three are pressing, 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 hurrying the defence into that mid- pass into the midfield, and as soon as that ball, they can see that ball's going to come into midfield, Loren and Smallbone, they, they're, they're snapping away at their midfielders, get you know, towing the ball away, getting in, getting in front of them, getting intercepting it, 30, 25, 30 yards from goal. Baker can do that. Baker yeah. and Loren at the start of the season were fantastic at doing that together. It was only when Loren got injured, uh, Baker sort of lost his way a bit, uh, trying to sort of be a jack of all trades, I think. But um, for me, I think. Them two in front of Pearson definitely would could could work. I'd like to see it given a chance. Mm-hmm. The amount of times Smallburn pinches the ball, he, he he worries the players, he hassles them. He's right on the ankles all the time. And the amount of time they try to turn away from him, he takes the ball off and knocks the ball off and then somebody else picks it up. And like you say, Levent as well, it, it, it's a bit... The transformation yeah. is fantastic. We were just taking advantage, aren't we, Ant, of... of defences who are just too scared to play the ball long. It's like, they, oh, I've got to play it on the floor. I've got to play it into midfield. We've got to just play these short passes. And it's like, well, when, you, when, when you've when you got three attackers or harassing your defenders and you've got no ball on, just get rid of it. But it's like, it's a modern way. You can't do that now. And I think Stoke, like saying that our midfield are just like, yeah, just keep doing it because we'll just keep winning the ball off you in front of your own goal. It's fine. <laughs> and it's like, they know that teams... But I, I just can't understand why, especially if you're a manager or or a, a scout or a coach, or whatever. And you, you know, when you plotting how to play against Stoke at the minute, surely is it, you say defence right? If you if you're in trouble, get rid of it. Launch yeah. it down the field. Don't you know? Play into the channels. Get it out your half because they will they will win the ball. Any decent tactical coach surely should be able to see that. And they right, do not take any chances because they are lethal at winning the ball back in, in our third, in our, our defensive third. <laughs> but like you said earlier, Dan, the, the thing is now we, we can play both ways. You know, where we, we used to, if, if teams sat back against us, we would struggle. We don't look like we're struggling at the moment. We look like we're going to get through them. Into this Coventry game, what a start. I mean, what a, what a great move as well, the first goal. Like you said, like you said uh, the team, you're building it up. And then, obviously, it falls to Campbell on the wing and he just puts it in that area, doesn't he, where he says, you know, to any any goal poach or whatever, you know, come in, back stick. And, and Jacob Brown became the Jacob Brown of last season and he was in the right place at the right time and got himself a tap-in. It was a great run. It was a great run. Tyrese again, though, just ripping it up into again. I mean, he he has been most of the season. In, in fairness to Ty, you know, he's had he's had an undue amount of stick. But at ev- I mean, the amount of times that goals come from his movements or his you know cutting back or direct assists, um, he is so much more than a goal scorer. He still scores, 
but that's not it to be an end all with him, which is well, so that's gold dust in his division. He was been used as a scapegoat. He wasn't doing anything wrong or anything different. He, he was accusing him of losing his pace, not uh, not ch- chasing forward, not doing this, but all them things he was doing. And you know, give him credit yeah. now. He turned him round for it. Just didn't turn round for him because he was playing well anyway. But he's starting get his rewards now. You know, the team's he is, and I think Jacob needed that definitely. Definitely. Because that's the I thing mean, with Jacob. We've been saying all season he's 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 playing in a team which Jacob's been very average. Like, let's let's be honest, he has been very average. No, he's not been the Jacob of last season, who at times was incredible. Like he's scoring goals for fun, at tight angles, goals that you wouldn't think most players would be scoring. And I think he's just had a really difficult season of a of a team that's been going through a lot of transition. And he's struggled to find his place in that transition. I think that's what it's been. Now, whether we will see a a really good Jacob Brown again next year, because we'll hopefully have a more settled structure and team, maybe we will. He still needs to find his shooting boots. We can't rely on him to score 15 goals a season. Well, but he's definitely he's definitely that right attacking forward that we that we could do with. I think. I think it was always his touch before last season. His touch wasn't always great, but last season he came on at a million miles, and then this season he's gone backwards slightly, hasn't he? But, but he, yeah, he has. He'll be all right. He's a confident team playing in a confident team. He'll be all right. And we're looking really confident at the moment. So, do you know what shows of his confidence as well? It's something Harry Kane's actually really good at. Is Last season, he was hitting, he's taking his shots early, mm. so he's was, he was in a lot of shots. A lot of his goals were first time, like first touch was the shot, and also not like you, it's the earliest opportunity he could get. He was firing, and he, he gets a lot of keepers. Um, it catches them off guard a lot of the time. Like I say, Kane's really good at it, and you'll see a lot of Kane's where you think, well, the keeper should maybe should have got to that, but it's because he's hit it so early, the keepers aren't set for the shot. And this season, I think when he's getting them in front of goal, because his confidence isn't there, he's taking he's taking a touch and then maybe a second touch, and then the chance is gone, and he's he's either you know gets getting blocked or or he's you know skewing skewing it wide or something because he's then snatching at it. And but then, like I say, the goal, um, if it, that that goal then on, on Saturday, hopefully now between the, now and the end of the season, uh, he might even get himself a run down the middle. Again, and because he played a couple of games anti recently down the middle and not not looked a threat. Now he's got a goal behind him and a good performance to go with it as well. Let's be honest, he played well. He, he, was, a, he was a constant menace to that defence, wasn't he? Um, you know, using his playing to his strengths and what he's good at. Maybe we might see a different Jacob Brown if he was playing as you know as the number nine, if you like, down the middle now. I'm um, going to say that, Dan, because I think he's he's bulked up anti a lot over the last 12 to 18 months, and I I think he could play that position just in front of Smallbone. Uh, you know, as you said, the, the leading the line, if you like, or what Gale's been playing a lot of. I think he could very well do that. Um, yeah, he, he's much better at that. 18 months ago, no chance. He was too lightweight, but he could definitely play that position. So I agree with you. I think that's a it's maybe a position that, depending on who we sign in the summer. Maybe that is something we'll stumble across with with Jacob. Obviously, commented on the ball from from Campbell for that goal, and then obviously just before half time we doubled the lead, 
and Axel Campbell. Now, Alex, and a lot of people there thought he was offside. And I, I, when I saw it, I was like, how can he not be offside? He's about 20 <laughs> yards in front of him. And Hoover drilled that pass to. It wasn't as if he'd yeah. floated it through and he'd had, you know, four or five seconds to, to get that, that far in front. I think, if anything, it just shows just how rapid Campbell can be because you see the uh, the still from when the ball was played and he's not even in line with the defender. He's actually behind him. And then within, like I say, a split second, he's, he's like 15, 20 yards down the pitch. I thought, well, <laughs> you, give, you give linesmans, uh, you know, and the referee and everything, you give them stick, but how it would have been a million times easier for that linesman to give him an offside, even if he was taking a rough guess. Like you, you, you could have said offside, yeah, and no one would have said a thing until the replay came up after the game. But you know, you've got to give absolute massive credit because that liner hasn't guessed there. He's obviously been up with play and he's seen he's, the fact that Tyrese is on side. That's not a guess. He's in line. He's in line. He's in line. A good linesman will get in line. He's obviously got yeah. in line play and you can see what's happening. Yeah, and you can and like I say, you've got to give him credit because like he must have even like seen it in line. And then seeing the guy, maybe and he's even just saying, "Did I really see that right?" Have I, <laughs> <laughs> you know, in his, in his head, he may have even just had the doubt of, have I, was he definitely onside? Oh yeah, mm. well he's onside. <laughs> um, yeah, home crowds yeah. as well. Pressure from home crowd. He, mm. he he had a lot of balls there to not to not call that one. He really did. He yeah. did. Yeah. But if, having gone through, he got a lot of time there, and sometimes when you've got a lot of time. It, it does you, but he, he actually took his time. It was a great finish again. Great finish. I was, I was going to say that the two the two goals there fell to the right players that they. If you were to pick one, you would pick. You know, if you had to say to who would you want to to have that time where they've, you know, they've they've one on one with the keeper, they're taking a touch, he's running in, he's looking, and then he's got to pick his spot. You'd want Campbell there, out yeah. the two of them, wouldn't you? Yeah, and then, you would. Yeah. And then at the back post, like you say. Queen to make that run and enter at the back post. You you want your Jacob. That's why you want your Jacob Brown to be appearing. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. I mean, would you? Is this hyperbole? Right. I've said here that that first forty-five minutes was the best I've seen Stoke play since the Stoke Loner days. Yeah, they, they, they could have been seven 0 up, but it's it's not an exaggeration. I mean, they I think they said it could have been four, five, six. It could have been anything. We had that many chances, and every time we attacked, I thought we were going to score. Yeah, I mean, I remember Will Mott had one, didn't he? Just headed off the line um, in between the two goals. There was, like I say, every time they went forward, they just looked a threat. Hoover getting, you know, the fullbacks getting up. And this keeping, is, yeah. And th- this isn't the, the thing, we're playing four at the back here, and the fullbacks are getting forward and really helping the attack. It's not like it's not like they're wing backs and you've got the three centre halves and they sort of oh well they sort of wingers and defenders. These are actually, you know, fully fledged defenders if you like in this formation. But they're really getting forward and supporting, aren't they? And and helping out an attack. And obviously we got onto to Hoover later on with his his fantastic <laughs> finish. But um we did you did say earlier on, Coventry did have a spell and I think just after half time um, Bonham sort of 
he stopped them getting back into the game. Then, let's be honest, let's be honest. They did have those three or four. I mean, he made a wonderful double save. I mean, they were appealing for a penalty, but don't, I don't think it was personally. Um, and there was a couple of other saves. One there was the one on the line where he's changed direction, um, yeah. and as a you know, a fantastic save that was. Uh, but we sort of weathered the storm as good sides do, and. And there you go, and then we've gone up the other end, and, and Smallbone sort of killed it off with an, a, a lovely finish, hasn't he? He's just got the ball on the edge of the box, took his time, and picked his spot in the corner. Another great finish. Smallbone yeah. looks like one of them players who doesn't like to actually leather the ball, does he? He's more of a, a side foot man. He's done it a couple of times this season. Um, good play all around there. It was actually a good move, wasn't it? Good ball inside from Campbell to Loren. Loren? Yes, yeah, and then Loren just pulled it back for a small bone, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, and absolutely fabulous finish again, but side-footed. Yeah, because you know, it's funny you should mention that, thinking about it. Obviously, his goal at Preston was breaking into the box and he sort of side-footed it in, didn't he? And then his goal, um, he scored against the other week. Uh, was it Reading, the first goal at home? Yeah, it wasn't. that wasn't thrashed, was it just side-footed? Yeah, he just again edged the box once it and he just run onto it and took it in his stride and, and, and just rolled it into the corner. Um but yeah, he's a he's a class he's a class act and um I am I'm saying as I know you've said it a couple of times, Mark, I he's he's not gonna be as a Stoke shirt next season, is he? What about if some stay up? No, he's the the manager's already come out and said he wants him back. So you know, if if he gets relegated then he's got a ready made midfielder. If he doesn't get relegated, which I don't, I can't see them surviving. But even then, you know, he's going to want want him back. Uh, you know, if they did manage to survive, because well, why not? He's he's having a blinder. If if he doesn't do very well in the Premier League for them next year, then well, okay, we'll send him out on loan again, no problem. But uh, they can't lose. They, they, we we've basically just nurtured a a young player and turned yeah. him into a really good midfielder. So they can't lose. No, they can't. The cards in that case, I didn't realize the manager come out and said that. But it's a bit of a shame, but you can understand it. Yeah, he, yeah. Said, he said he said something like he's he's a player who the uh, they'll definitely have regardless of what the situation is next season. He's one player he wants in the squad. Mm. Unfortunately, um, like I say, if he, if he doesn't go, we've nurtured, like I say we've we've nurtured and hope that maybe there's another Premier League club with. Another Will Smallbone sat there needing to gain experience, maybe, and we can take him. And exactly. just yeah, that's that you got to hope that. Oh, well, actually, yeah, I think looking at it, Stoke did, Stoke did a good job with that small one, lad. Let's we can you know loan him, player whoever, and hopefully uh, the same with them. But yeah, this, uh, it hasn't done our reputation any bad anyway. I don't think. Not, not after the uh, the Delap flop, who, funny enough, still hasn't scored for Preston, by the way. Yeah. So he's just gonna he's just gonna disappear as a nobody. Uh, he's you know he one of them big bright young sparks who goes nowhere. He's just gonna right. be another one of them. There was so much said about him. We stuck up for last time I was on, not the Christmas quiz thing. The last time I was on, we talked about Delap, and we thought he, you know, he, he's a big strong lad, gets a couple of goals, you know, and he he, he might get on a bit of a run, but it never happened. No. Never, there was a goal, two goals that he scored for us, I think. About and there were tap ins as well, like they were like two yeah. yards out. <laughs> me, me, you know, me, you or Dan would have scored them. He went to Preston, and I think it was, uh, did, did did he take him off us because he wasn't? His dad had just left, so I don't know if it was anything to do with that. 
And then there was also we were just trying to get rid of all the loanees because he wanted um he wanted to bring in as many of his own players then to neon obviously the easier ones to get rid of were the players who were on loan. And now he can't even get a game for Preston because he's not scoring goals. So he can't even get a game for them. He's on their bench. But I mean we don't want to dwell too much on him, but it just uh, my point was trying to get towards the fact that we'd taken this big name, this potential big name on loan. He'd flopped. And then the last thing he wanted to happen was him to go to Preston and then score for fun. Because then that's not going to help our relationship with Man City or any other clubs. So Dan's point about reputation um, doing some good with small bone is absolutely spot on. Yeah, yeah. I agree totally, with, especially from that point of view of the Zalap thing, yeah. And another uh, loney who may be out of our reach permanently this summer and one who we've probably got enhanced our reputation with is Henry, our, yeah. uh, our Hoover. And obviously yeah. he's, he had a lovely, wonderful love individual goal for the fourth. And to wrap up this one, pick of the, pick of the goals for me. Um, he just oozes class, this lad, don't you? You can see why he's come through at Liverpool. And, I mean, he's still only 21, is he? 21, 22? There's been, I mean, apparently he's fouled at Wolves because of uh, his attitude, attitude issues and all that, and that's why you know not he wasn't his talent in question. It was his his commitment and his and his uh, like I say his his work rate maybe and his attitude. But he's a young lad at the end of the day, and he's come here. And I I personally don't think Alex Neal takes any kind of messing with that if he's showing any kind of you know, Billy Big Balls or whatever at Stoke, I think he'd have just had him, you know, either sent him back to Wolves or, you know, Selena would have been in and he would have had a ready-made excuse, oh, sorry, we've, you know, we've we've not got room for him in the squad with too many loanies. Yeah. And he, he's been playing, he's playing well. He, like I say, the guy oozes class for me and he, the way he's just waltzed, he's slalom through those defenders, dropped his shoulder. And again, not not panicked in front of goal, just rolled the ball to the side. The keeper rolled into the net. I mean, and so do you, I can't see any reason why he couldn't he couldn't cut it at Wolves with you know in the, in the predicament they've been in. I, do you, I haven't seen anything attitude wise or nothing. Was well, he one goal? I think he scored one goal before the last few weeks. Actually, and he scored four. He's been given so much freedom. And, and Pearson gives him that freedom because when he goes forward, Pearson's back covering him up. You know, and but he's he's looked absolutely fabulous. I mean, the first couple of games, you wouldn't have thought we were getting this kind of player. First couple of games we saw him. And he's no, come he, on so much. He, I'll be honest, yeah, then first couple of games, he looked like he, he didn't, he sort of shied out of a couple of tackles, didn't he? Light, lightweight, lightweight. Yeah, lightweight. He, he was scared to go sort of you know, challenge for headers and stuff like that, and he wasn't wasn't willing to maybe risk it. I mean, maybe maybe that's what they've seen at other places. And maybe I don't know. Maybe that's what Alex Neal's done. Maybe he sat him down and said, "Lad, you, you're not going to have a career as a footballer, unless, especially a defender, <laughs> unless you're willing to you know, get not get knocked knocked about a bit. You got not them more than they not you." And I don't know. Maybe that's happened, but they, like you've said there. Um, He's uh, come on so much in, in the time he's been with us. You can see why they paid £9 million for him now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But you, you look at it and it's not just the goals he scored. He's had a host of chances as well. Not easy chances. No efforts, I would call them. You know, he's not been scared to shoot in any game. 
And it, I just don't know where it's come from. When you know, you look through his career or his, even his reserve career or whatever he's played in, he's only scored one goal before and all of a sudden he looks like he's going to score every match. I expect him to score. I mean, I've already likened Jacob Brown to Harry Kane in this podcast. Um, <laughs> I'm now going to sort of... Do you remember when Gareth Bale was a useless fullback? Yeah. And then they all of a sudden found out that he was quite good going forward and he ended up being, a, I'd say, more than half decent attacker. <laughs> um, <laughs> it feels like that's where you're sort of going with Hoover, isn't it? You're like, going forward, he's just... He's got pace, he's got... He, he's touches there, he's dribbling, and you can find that he can finish. He's I mean, yeah, he's getting he's getting in positions, you know, he, for people to pick out. He's coming in through the, into the back post, and and he's giving he's making himself a target. Yeah, you do wonder. I mean, I don't think he had the best game when they did stick him right wing. Um, it was at home onto a couple weeks to Norwich. And to Norwich, I think he was on the right. Um, on the right wing, he didn't have the best of game, but in time, the more he plays there, he might find that, that that's his natural position that he ends up being like, you know, when he gets, say, another couple of years down the line. Yeah, yeah. Pookie, anybody? I saw this earlier on. Now, I think he's 33. I think if I sort of made the point there, if, if Norwich, if he was still the top striker that he was, I think Norwich would be keeping him one day, they'd be doing everything they can to. You know, give him a couple of years, but I don't know. We've got Dwight Gale. Do we need Pookie if we've got? Is it no. no. Similar. I didn't take his age into consideration. I thought he was more thirties, but if he's thirty-three now, I think what we're going to. I think as a club now, they're probably going to look more to bring in, especially with, like I said, the the FFP, the profit and sustainability stuff. They probably looking at buying players who they. With a resale of value, I think that's where he got stung once. And when Rowett spent his money, I don't know about you, Anne, but I can't think of any of them players who, within twelve months, eighteen months, had any kind of value. No, no, they didn't. No, no. We yeah, were yeah. buying players then to um, to try and get proven players to bounce straight back up. We weren't thinking long term. We were thinking, what can we get to get us out of this division first time of asking. And then when that didn't work, you're right. There was no resale value and we screwed ourselves. But you're spot on, Dan, because that's what... Um, what's the name? At the meet the manager owner you know, thing, that's what uh, Ricky Martin said. And obviously, I think Alex Neal said it as well, as we need to you know, get some young players in. They hopefully do well for us and get us up. But if they don't, then they're going to be there to, to sell on. You know, the Brighton model, as I think he called it. Like, that is what you have to do and and it's no problem because if again if you're selling people for 10 15 20 million if you've got a constant conveyor belt you know the chances are if you're performing well and they're going to be worth that type of money then you must be performing well as well so if that's the way we have to go that's the way we have to go well look at it in the last two we sold nathan collins didn't we for a decent money then we've sold harry Souter. um you would say that you know there are names in this squad who we could probably sell for coming through, you know, who are in the squad now who you could probably sell next season if you needed to. Hopefully we don't. Um, but there are people there. Um, but yeah, I mean, as for this, just wrapping up on this Coventry game, uh, uh, the actual thing, I thought 
they really, I mean, it's a shame that we couldn't just get the fifth because uh, I'll give you some stats in a minute. It would have been nice if we could if we could have won by five. Uh, but before I do that, actually, we're going to just go over to got Glenn. You spoke to him before the match, uh, and he sent us. He's from obviously the Coventry podcast, and he sent us over his thoughts uh, on the match itself. Hi, my name's Glenn. I'm part of the Scarborough Fans TV podcast. Um, here's my thoughts on Saturday's. 4-0 defeat to Stoke City by Co- uh, for Coventry City. Um, first of all, I've got to say how well Stoke played. Um, I thought Alex Neal got his tactics spot on. I, I think he got his personnel spot on and the formation spot on. Um, I think probably having Dwight Gale missing um, did you guys a favour. I think playing Nick Powell as kind of a false nine was a masterstroke. Um, Tyrese Campbell and Jacob Brown worked really well out wide. Uh, Will Smallbone was class. Um, Hoover, honestly, I don't know why Liverpool let him go and he's not getting a look at Wolves. And um, Dujon Sterling did a really good job at uh, left-back and also Phil Jagielka rolled back the years and was at some points taking the mickey a bit on marauding runs forward. Um, back to the game. Um, it's kind of what Carv Avin is. We've tend to be slow starters, especially first half. And it was a good goal by Stoke that was finished off well by Jacob Brown. And Stoke pretty much ran riot. And we were lucky that it was still only 1-0. And then the second goal, which kind of killed us off our own corner, we get done. I don't know how Dabo's decided to play offside and woefully misunderestimated it. And... Tyrese Campbell, on first glance, looked that far clear that he had to be offside. But I've got to go back and say, great credit to the linesman. He got the decision absolutely spot on. I think if we'd gone in at 1-0 down, we might have had a chance. Obviously, we came out second half, had a couple of good chances. Bottoms made a ridiculous save. that I don't know how he saved it when he's going the wrong way and kind of shoveled it off the goal line. Um, and then pretty much straight after, Will Smallbone scored the third goal. Uh, I wasn't sure whether it was deflected, but it was a good finish, good move, and he was a class above anyone on the pitch, really small bone was. And then kind of the game just drifted away from us, really. And then the fourth goal, I'll be honest, I applauded it. It was a cracking run. You could pick about the Cov defending a bit, but it's a cracking run by Hoover, and he was one of the best players on the pitch. It's a really good finish, and he's on a ridiculous goal-scoring form. Uh, I would say that's arguably the best 90 minutes performance I've seen from a team against Coventry City at the CBS this season. The only team that came close was Norwich and they kind of blitzed us for 20 minutes, went 3-0 up. We got it back to 3-2 and then when they scored to make it 4-2 in the second half, they kind of ran away with it without really killing us off. Um, I think you guys played a lot better than Burnley have. Um, Sheffield United, West Brom... So I, I really, really can emphasise how good a job Alex Neal has done. And he must, he's one of the most underrated championship managers. I think he'll do really good things this season. You've probably got a slim chance of still getting into six, but you're going to need some freaky results. But this weekend showed there was freaky results in the championship. So, But yeah, I think Stoke looked the side that they always should have been and I think he's a manager that next season's gonna do do a good job for you. It's a bad day for the office for Cov. We kind of throw them in, but we've done it and every season we've gone on to success. We've had a horror show 
uh, and we do tend to show good bounce back ability. So hopefully that's not killed the playoffs off. We've still got a chance. Results went our way. Um, so we go again against Swansea. And I fancy Stoke will probably upset the apple cart. And it wouldn't surprise me to see them not losing any games for the rest of the season and probably upsetting uh, West Brom and Watford on the way. Cheers to that, Glenn. Um, probably a good, honest assessment there. Um, now, I said I've got some stats for you. So before we give you the man of the match polls, I was going to read you some things out. So, seven players. So, obviously, we are five games unbeaten. Seven players out of the 11 have started all five games of this unbeaten run. So, that could be a reason why we're sort of showing this consistency now because there's sort of a consistency in the, in the team and in the lineup. So, Jacob Brown, Tyrese Campbell, Josh Laran, uh, Will Smallbone, Dujon Sterling, Ben Pearson, and Jack Bonham have all started all five games um, of this unbeaten run. Oh, actually, I tell a line that Jack Bonham didn't. He came on as a sub, didn't he, for Sarkic at Sunderland in the first game. Um, but he's played every present still since. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that, that's. Do you think that, that's probably the, one of the main reasons why he sort of settled upon a core of the side there and barring sort of a couple of niggles and injuries to people like Twan Zabi and that, he's, uh, we're, we're keeping the same side, aren't we? You know, it's only Gale, Twan Zabi's injuries, really, that, that they've come in and out. Yeah, it's continuity helps, don't it? All the time, you get used to each other. You're not about somebody coming in and trying to blend into the side. You know, not, not getting is exactly right. I think the more you can keep the same team together, obviously the more better results you're going to get. It's, it's always going to be like that. Yeah, well, this was the fourth time this season that we've scored three or more goals away. Only the second time in 22 years where we've done it four times in a season. With 29 away goals we've scored this season, which is the third most in any season since 2001. So we scored 30 in 2005-06, which was under Boscamp, and we scored 33 in 2007-08, which obviously the season we mentioned before. Uh, So we've still got three games left as well. Um, So we're only four off. How many points have we got away from home now, Dan? 29-ish? Uh, so away from home, we've 28 points. So we've got eight wins, four draws and eight defeats, which again, I mean, you're looking back, last season was 27, 28, 20, 22, 13, 17, 23, 21, 14, 14, 16, 12, 20. You go right back to 2008, we've got 36. Um, so we'd have to win all three remaining away games to, to beat that um, sort of record. But, we're definitely in. It's it's definitely been a really good season for uh, away from home. So it's only the second time this season, by the way, that Coventry have conceded four. They lost four two against Norwich. The last time Coventry lost by four at home was Blackburn in October 2020, which was being played behind closed doors. And the last time they lost by four in front of their own fans was when they lost six two to Yeovil in April 2018. And this was only the third time in 13 seasons when they've been beaten by four goals in front of their own fans. Not so, bad. you know, I said at the start that we shame we didn't get a fifth. Do you know the last time they were beaten by five goals at home? It was 1989 when Liverpool beat them 6-1 on the last day of the season at Highfield Road. 
Six one sounds familiar with Liverpool. On the last day of the season. Yes, I like that sound. <laughs> um, but yeah, he was going to say it would have been nice get a fifth, and then we could have said, "Oh yeah, we just we've given them the heaviest home defeat in in nearly thirty five years." <laughs> so, man of the match, uh, just to round it up, man of the match. Uh, anyone's anyone's thoughts? Who did you give it yours oh. to? I I couldn't. Wow. Pick one. I really couldn't pick one. Um, Campbell close oh. trouble game sets a couple up. Tyrese Campbell for me. I just I just think he's he just our creative play and the movement. He, I think he's just got everything, mate. So yeah, Tyrese for me. Well, Tyrese Ty, got my vote as well, and I think he only got about seven overall. <laughs> Out of about 240, so we got nearly half his votes here. Um, but Jacob Brown got 13% of the vote in third. Will Smallbone was second with 15% of the vote. And the winner, quite amazingly, in a 4 0 win when we've just said we could have won nearly double figures, is Jack Bonham. I think that, yeah. is, that, is that the first one this season he's had? <laughs> yeah. I think that's me moaning at everybody for using him as a scapegoat over the last few weeks. <laughs> oh, yeah, he did something good. That's that's getting a man of the match. He played above his level. <laughs> <laughs> um, player of the season. Fifth place is Dwight Gale on 327. Uh, Josh Loren down to fourth on 379. Up into the uh, medal positions, Tyrese Campbell. 383 points. Uh, Will Smallbone, 5-3-1. And now he is just three behind Ben Wilmot, 5-3-4. Ben Wilmot's another one. I heard somebody, somebody actually mentioned on the on the poll, they said, you know, I'm amazed Wilmot's not got more votes. You know, Giocares is one of the most informed strikers in the league and he hasn't got a kick all game. And I thought, actually, yeah, you're right. He's, he's, he's sort of marshaled the defence really well, didn't he? I know... Um, obviously it was Phil Jagielka's 800th match which I suppose we should really mention shouldn't we um, he was obviously captain for the day but yeah I thought I thought the, uh, they both played well and like I say Wilmot do you think when he plays with Jagielka as Twanzebe do you think he has to sort of alter his game quite a bit um, you know what I, I don't think he has to massively I mean obviously Jags has got a little bit less pace so maybe that's something he has to slightly accommodate for but when we're talking about like man of the match polls and stuff like that unfortunately when you know you win 4-0 four, four the of course you instantly look to the attacking players and a, a performance like of, a, Bonham. of a Wilmoth yeah of a Bonham yeah I mean <laughs> yeah but Bonham the people were they, it's different with the goalkeeper because the goalkeeper's there and he can save save shots so either saving like being, literally the, you're looking good because you're saving or you're looking good because you're scoring. The guys in the middle, the Ben Wilmots, the Juggy Alcas, the Sterlings maybe, you know, they're the ones who could easily do a great job but go completely amiss in terms of people's perceptions. Like Ben Wilmot, let's be honest, he's been an absolute... You know, he's not moved, has he? He's been there all season. Like yeah. he's, he's obviously very reliable. He's clearly very good at his job or else he would have been dropped. You know, But there's been some movement around this defence all season, but Wilmot hasn't. So no, he clearly hasn't been the problem. So yeah, I just I just think it, it, there's a few players don't get the plaudits they deserve. Ben's been there for a while. He's gonna have to score a couple of goals, I think, to keep himself at the top. I think, and I, th- I think, uh, and obviously he's been here a couple of years now. 
and what's impressed me about Wilmot is his versatility. He's he's one of them players similar to sort of Baker, to be honest, in that he moved himself around the midfield and then ended up on the bench when everyone came into form in their own positions. Wilmot's, I think, because he moves, he's, you know, he play on the left side, he'll play on the left side defence, he'll play on the right side, play in the middle, then he's at right wing back, then he's at right back, then he's back and he's on the right side of the defence, he's in a two, he's in a three. I think he, he's constantly moved around, but he's always... A steady performer, you know, he, he always plays well. You, you very, very rarely you see him like have a howler of a game or come away thinking, "Well, yeah, he had a bad game today." I can't, I can't, I can probably think of on one hand, you know what I mean, how many bad games he's had in a couple of years, despite playing in various different formations and and positions, and and I think that's probably a credit to him because. It's always the good players who get asked to do that. You wouldn't ask a bad player to go and play out of position, would you? It's the ones you feel are, are good enough to, to sort of cope with the move. So, going to kick off with some uh, under-18s, under-21 and women's. So, the under-18s, so they didn't have a game last week. Uh, this week, they host Newcastle on Good Friday, Clayton Wood, 1pm uh, kickoff. So, the game with Bristol City kicks off at 3 but before that, if you wanted maybe, I don't know, taking the first half before you make your way down to the ground, uh, then, yeah, the game in Newcastle kicks off at the training ground at 1pm. Uh, the under-21s, they should have played Leeds last Friday, but it was postponed. Uh, it should have been played in Nantwich, but it was, it was called off. Uh, this week, there's no game planned. Whether they try and drop that Leeds game in, I uh, don't know. But yeah, there's no games planned with the next fixture being a trip to Southampton on Friday the 14th of April, which is actually the final away game of the season for the under-21s. A nice local one to finish off with. <laughs> um, now the women, the, well, what a week the women have had. Um, they played on the Bet365 Stadium last uh, last Sunday. Uh, a record crowd of over 1,500 attended. Um, it was a great atmosphere by all accounts. Uh, unfortunately, I wasn't able to go myself, but from what, obviously what I've read, what I've seen, uh, people I've spoken to, it was, you know, they said it was a really good atmosphere. Everything would be before kickoff. Uh, the crowd were really into it. Like they said, it was really good. It was just unfortunate. Uh, West Brom got themselves into an early lead. Uh, they had an own goal, uh, State forced an own goal at West Brom just before half time, got them back into it. Um, West Brom thought they'd won the easily won the game with about five, six minutes left when they went 3 1 up. And then Meg Bowyer, the obviously uh, long time Stoke captain, sort of netted ahead with a couple of minutes left to set up a grandstand finish for all those there. Um, so, yeah, hopefully, obviously, with the news that they're going to be semi professional and everything. Um, like I say, record crowd there. Hopefully, the, you know, the, the the momentum now is going to get behind the women's team, and you know we we can sort of see bigger crowds coming, and and obviously, you know, like I say, the momentum to get them up out of the league they're in, and then we'll see where they can go from there over the next in the next two, three, four years. They played the final of the Women's Challenge Staffordshire Women's Challenge Cup uh, on Tuesday night. So after playing at the 365 on Sunday, they then played that match on Tuesday and it finished 3-3. So they came from, uh, they went behind early doors. Uh, they managed to get themselves, uh, they managed to get themselves level. Uh, Holder scored and then Dell gave them the lead. 
Kelsey came back, equalised, and then uh, Snow came back 10 minutes to go. Will Shaw finished from quite close range, gave us a 3-2 lead. Thought that was going to be enough. Uh, and then with just two minutes um, time added on, a volley sort of in off the underside of the crossbar made it 3-3. Straight to penalties, and we came out 4-3 winners in a penalty shootout for our 16th 16th time they've won this cup in 20 years, so that's some fair achievements. I know, it, um, you know, to sort of say, well, you know, maybe they should win it or whatever, but a crowd of 488 were there, it was at Stafford Town, and yeah, the uh, congratulations is another another achievement, and like I say, another, another reason why, um, we should be like say, celebrating the women's team there again. Right, so, now, Mike, you put out a tweet, didn't you? Before we get into the Bristol City game, we need to discuss Nick Powell and his contract, because we have different views. And there's been, let me, I'm going to read you some of the comments that are on, that have been put on the Facebook and Twitter and give you the results of a poll that you put out. And then us three, we can discuss what we think. How does that sound? Yeah, sounds like you're going to be cherry picking to pick into no, to no, no. into your your thing. No, Give not, it one. not at all. <laughs> so you put discussion point for this week this week's podcast. Would you offer Nick Powell a new deal? Yes, no, only on a cheap deal, undecided. Now I have ticked only on a cheap deal. Yeah, I'll just like you know that. Okay. So fourteen percent yes, thirty-one percent no, forty-seven percent only on a cheap deal, eight undecided. That's on Facebook. Now the comments on here, Daryl Shaw said, get him gone, spends more time on the sick than anyone I know. <laughs> uh, Paul Gallagher, a mutual friend of mine in Anto's there, isn't he, Ant? Gallagher. He says, pay as you play contract, yes. Steve Turnbull says, no, time to go, I'm afraid. Uh, and Neil Taj Shaw says it's difficult. A pay-as-you-play deal would be best for us. When he's on the pitch, he can be one of the best. And as Smallbone looks certain to be at Southampton next season, he's another option in that attacking midfield role or even a number nine if we put pace around him. So that's what Facebook had to say. Now let me find you what Twitter had to say. Well, I can throw one straight so, out there if it's going ha- to help you, Dan. So... Um, Matt Bennett, I took a screenshot of this one because it was quite a long one, but um, I thought it was some good thoughts. So, uh, Matt Bennett said, The thing is, he's perfect for the club now and how he plays, and we're perfect for the wage he wants and the location he wants to live in. But he has to understand that he's only good for 15 games a season, and his contract has to reflect that. I'm guessing his wage is only so high at the moment because one, we need him at a time we do now, and two, he'll be paying uh, his own in- injury insurance, which I bet is a hell of a lot. So I'm happy for him to stay if he drops down to under 10k a week and continues to pay his own insurance bill. Interesting. So yes, the rest of us, so the results for the Twitter poll, 28% said yes, 17% no, 47% said only on a cheap contract and 8% were undecided. So that actually is very, very similar um, to, I mean, there's yes and no is flipped, but the actual percentages only on a cheap deal and undecided are exactly the same. And it seems that only on a cheap deal is the main one that every you know nearly half the people who voted in both polls have gone for. Um, Greenoff nineteen seventy two says yes, but only on a page you play deal. Uh, SCFC Tyler 
<laughs> says accidentally pressed yes doesn't deserve a contract in my opinion uh, so we'll flip that result over <laughs> uh, neutral stokey pays you play uh, GBU says I'd love to but he's just wasted wages at the moment needs to be playing more end of um, and uh, at slap the planet says 100% he's got a little gift there that says 100% uh, oh, AJ. Yeah. We, we, we know what his <laughs> thoughts are. I'm not yeah. going to go into them comments. Archie <laughs> um, oh, says two injury prone game guard. AJ, I'd definitely offer him a two year contract on lower wages. Great player. And um, friend of the pod, John Oldfield, says he's still only about 28, so he's still got plenty to offer. He's not going to get what he's on now, so unless he's unwilling to budge down, he's still got something to offer. So he's 28 and he's played about 15 games in his career so far, from what I reckon. Yeah. Right, um, no, I'm not having that. <laughs> Here we I'm, go, right. I'm, go on. A fit Nick Powell is an asset to any championship side. I know what people are saying. I certainly wouldn't get rid of him. I would offer him a contract, but I'm going with Gal and AJ on, on, on lower terms, on lower terms, really, or a pay-as-you-play, I don't care. I don't think a pay-as-you-play will work. Um, I'm looking at his appearances and the first two seasons, he's played 29 games in 2019-20 and 39 games in 2021. He did only play 18 the season after that. And this season, he's played 18 times again. So he's got the potential, if he plays in the next seven, to play 25 this season. So I don't know where the 15s come from. I, well, obviously, it's an off-the-cuff comment, but I mean, <laughs> you know, a... a a fit Margot Robbie is is quite useful, but she doesn't come around very often either. It's the same principle, like, <laughs> like you know, it's it, look. There's no doubting. I don't think anyone doubts Nick Powell's ability. Like we know how good that guy can be. But my my issue with him, this is why I've always said, is because he will come back and let's see if he makes it through the rest of this season, shall we? Because yes. if he doesn't, again, he's got to go. Like we can't keep having a player that comes in plays three or four games, and he's going to struggle to get in anyway. Um, but you know, if he gets in and does well, all of a sudden then you don't change a winning team. But then if he goes and you know you get a team who are used to playing with him and they, they know how he plays, then he gets injured, and then all of a sudden, well, shit creek without a paddle again because we've got to shoehorn another player in who's not been used to playing. So I just think he creates more problems than he's worth, and if he's going to play 15 games a season, we can find somebody else who's going to be able to give us probably just as good as of an impact who can actually stay fit. And it probably isn't going to cost us any more money either. So, I, I, again, I, I, the guy's been great. Some of the goals he scored are brilliant, but he, he's still, it, it's not good enough for me, I'm afraid, anymore. So you're going out then, <laughs> Michael. Um, That's a definite uh, <laughs> It's You know what? The, the, I say, see, I understand what people are saying, the pay-as-you-play deals. No player will pay. Will 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 have that. They're not going to do it. He'd probably rather drop down to a Wigan Athletic in the League One next year and pick up, you know, a fraction of his money because he'll still earn more money being at Wigan, being paid regardless of whether he's playing or not. I use Wigan as an example because I think realistically he would go if he left Stoke. I think he would go to a Preston or a Wigan or one of the geographically one of those types of teams. He'll never play for a top ten team in, in this division ever. So, yeah, there's my rant. No, fair enough. I mean, I talked about continuity earlier on, so I'm kind of contradicting myself anyway, but I do like Nick Powell. I think he's an asset. But if we can't get any fit, I understand what you're saying. I understand what people are saying. 
nobody was asking for Nick Powell while we've been playing well these last few weeks. Not a single person. Nope. You, it's almost like he didn't exist. And I, w- I wouldn't put Nick Powell ahead of uh, Lewis Baker. I'd have him on the bench, don't get me wrong, a fully fit Nick Powell on the bench. What harm can it do? I think we all but he's, agree. He's not a, Baker's yeah. been a bit unlucky. Baker's been a bit unlucky. Right, so I'm with you, Ant. I shock. Indy, right. The, if you if he goes, there's there's a few things here. I, I need to make try and make sure I remember them all. <laughs> we, we've got a lot of players leaving this summer, as he says. Right, we've got to bring in. We're going to be looking at probably a dozen signings this summer, aren't we? If you include the, the any of the loanies who come back and whatever, because we've got a lot of players out of contract as it is. So if that's one less you know, one last bit of upheaval that we've got, then that should definitely be taken into consideration. If he goes, how much is it going to cost to get any, to try and replace him? And I say try because players of his ilk and his quality do not come around in the championship very often. The only reason he plays in this division is because of his injury record. And you know, that's why he's here. If he was, if he was fully fit all the time, he'd be playing in the Premier League. See, he now knows at his age, and with a couple of bad years behind him now with injuries, a couple of st- very stop-start seasons, that his wages level is not going to be at the same as it was when he signed this his contract. The contract he's on now, which was signed when he was our player of the season, so he was our official player of the season. You know, in what twenty nineteen twenty. In twenty twenty, it's sorry, 2020, Yeah, he was player of the season, and he got a new two year contract. He, um, he and like I say, played thirty nine games that season. He did, and since then, what he's had, he's had two disrupted seasons, two disrupted pre seasons, and I think he, I remember a comment he said um, was that. Obviously, I remember him saying about Nathan Jones got him really fit and really pushed him in pre-season and he was all, he he was fitness work and he said he'd never been as, never been as, as sort of as fit and as healthy as he was and that was the season he went on to play 39 games. I think Alex Neal, if he gets hold of him in pre-season, I think he's not stupid. He'll know when to push him. He'll know when he can sort of stand off him, but he'll get the he'll get him out of him. And if he can get a full Alex Neal preseason in, I think that'll that'll lay the foundations for him to have a great season next year. If you want to get promoted out of this league, you need players like Nick Powell on the pitch. But yeah, for me, I'm happy to be proven wrong, mate. I'm really happy to be proven wrong. I don't think I will be, but I'm happy to be proven wrong next year because it means he's he's done a good job. So even if even if he comes and takes a I don't know fifty percent pay cut and says uh, you know, yeah. so you so you're not in the you you you're not saying you think he needs to leave regardless, just wash your hands of him. He's more you know, um sort of quoting what you said before him more hassle than he's worth. What you're saying is on the right terms there's a deal to be done, but don't break the bank for him. Is that what we're saying? Yeah, it's on our terms, not on his. Apparently he's on 16 and a half grand a week at the minute. If that's the case, um, then you say, Luke, you get 10 grand a week. If you play, every game you play will give you another six grand appearance fee. You can get back up to your old salary. I think that's perfectly reasonable. 
I think that's a reasonable idea. Yeah, so I think in conclusion, what we were saying is we are offering him a little less, but if he can... (laughs) A lot less. (laughs) Uh, but we're we're gonna ring fence ring fence the difference, are we? And if he can play thirty thirty five games, then yeah, we hand it over. Yeah, give him an incentive. Yeah. I'll, I'll I'll meet you halfway. I'll agree to that. Yeah, right. <laughs> and fingers crossed. We we, uh, we we fingers crossed. I think we'll all be happy if we have like Vance just said there uh, thirty five games at Nick Powell next season. Let's get into Good Friday's game with Bristol City. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. So, Good Friday, Bristol City, the visitors. So, 61 previous encounters with the Robins, 27 state wins, 15 draws, and 19 victories for Bristol City. Uh, at Stoke, we've got 29 uh, matches against them, 17 wins, 4 draws, and 8 defeats. Um, the last 17 meetings between the sides have involved three or less goals. Going back to April 2000, um, Bristol City have won at Stoke every season since we were relegated in 2018. So they're going for a fifth successive win at Stoke. <laughs> um, yeah, it's not, it's not sound good so far, does it? Um, before that, though, we were unbeaten in nine games, uh, nine league home games, going back to 1959. Um, Stokes' home form has them 21st with 23 points from 19 games. That's also depressing, Anto. Um, Bristol City's away form, though, isn't much better. They've got 19 points from 19 games, which puts them 18th in the away table. Uh, last five games, though, this is where the big difference is. Bristol City are 18th again with five points from the last five games, whilst in the form table, we, with 11 points, sit second in the league. Only Luton are above us now. If we avoid defeat for a sixth successive game, it'll be our longest unbeaten run for five years. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, So that the previous unbeaten run was nine games under Nathan Jones, um, just after he took over that season. So at the end of that season... Uh, however, of those nine games, seven of them were actually draws. I was just only one two. I thought about eight of them were draws. So he was, yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah, so although I say if we can get a win, I think we'll have won four out of them six games, which is twice as many as he managed in that nine-game unbeaten run. So swings and roundabouts. Um, 
If we do lose, though, it'll be a ninth home league defeat of the season. In the last 25 years, only 2004-05 when we lost 10 and 2005-06 when we lost 11 will we have lost more home games. And there'll still be three more to go as well. Uh, only Preston, only against Preston does Dwight Gale have a better goal-to-game ratio than he does <laughs> against Bristol City. Um, Alex Neal against Nigel Pearson played two two wins for Alex Neal. So yes, hundred uh, percent record for Neal against the Bristol manager. Um, so and yeah, since back-to-back defeats at home to Burnley and Preston over the Christmas New Year period, we've conceded just three goals in six home games, keeping four clean sheets, uh, just the one defeat to Millwall, and in the three victories we've scored ten times. So we are in form. Free Oliver Langford, 16 championship matches this season. He's also had a few in League One, League Two. He's obviously been demoted, so it all bodes well. But in them 16 championship matches, 68 yellows, one red and three penalties. Uh, he ref Stoke twice this season. So he, he refed us in the 1-0 home defeat to Sunderland and the 2-0 home win over Luton. So... In all essence, Alex Neal's got a 100% record winning this season because he was in charge of Sunderland that day, wasn't he? <laughs> he, was, he was awful in that game. Awful. Yeah. Yeah, ho- hopefully. But, and uh, like you said, uh, I'm going to bring it up every single week until I get, until it happens. Uh, only one red card, which um, we now know, having done the... Uh, spoke to the chap at Opta, that the, the, there are no stats... Uh, that go back any more than 30 years. So, and that I want to obviously referring to for anyone who's not been following on Twitter or Facebook. Uh, we are obviously haven't had a single red card all season. Um, and it will be the first time in 30 plus years, potentially, even until records began, because we can't go that far back since we've gone a whole season without being sent off. Um, and I noticed that Pete Smith and the Sentinel picked up the article as well and ran with that in the Sentinel for us. So uh, if if we get sent off this weekend, cheers, Pete, because you're just going to make us a target. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, well. well, there's not many years left here because obviously, as Pete said, there, red cards weren't introduced officially until 1976. So you've got like a 16-year period from when the records go back to there. So it may well be that this could be the first year until we get yeah. a record in one of these last seven games. <laughs> um, Who would it be? Everyone says Ben Pearson, but do you think it would be a Pearson or do you think it would be a last man, Wilmot, Jagielka, saving us from a, a conceded goal? I hope it's not something like that. It better be a two-footed lunge. Uh, so make it at least a, you know, a sexy foul or something. <laughs> That'll be a Pearson. <laughs> Jacob Brown headbutting someone and go, where the hell did that come from? <laughs> <laughs> you know what it'll be? It'll be a really contentious one where it's like, that's never a red card. What the hell? <laughs> yeah. Ben Pearson hasn't really been, come close to being red carded, has he really? He's been booked a lot, but he hasn't been close to being red carded. But it wouldn't be you wouldn't have a great surprise if he if he did get two yellows in a game. He, he reminds me of James O'Connor. Like James, I remember one season James O'Connor had, he had to go before the FA because he had like 16 yellow cards, but he'd never been sent off. I'm like, 
you can tow the line when you've had a yellow. Why don't you try that at the start of a game? Then you never get booked. <laughs> you, would, yeah. you wouldn't miss half the season with suspensions then. <laughs> well, but um, I think with Pearson, he covers so much ground. And he covers, like I say, he covers for his full-back. He covers for a lot. He covers for everybody. He's all over the pitch. But he's more likely, I would think, if somebody's going to get a red card, I would I would say it might be Ben. He takes yeah. one for the team quite often, doesn't he? He does, yeah. He does. Um, overall, this referee, by the way, has ref Stoke 14 times. We have three wins, three draws and eight defeats. Given us 23 yellows, one red, one penalty for, one penalty against. Um, he's ref Bristol City 21 times, which is more than any other club. So he's ref- um, in those 21 games, he's given them 35 yellows, one rep. He's given them four penalties and one penalty against them. So that doesn't bode well. Um, they've got six wins, eight draws and seven defeats, so pretty much even. Uh, but he's only refed them once this season, which was a 2-1 away defeat to Burnley, which, I mean, even with the ref on your side, a lot of clubs struggle getting anything from Burnley, don't they? Yeah, good, good team, good team. Um, this season in the championship he has eight home wins seven away wins and one draw so that that, that sounds like we may have a winner either way Uh, and in 2018-19 he ref Stoke away at Millwall, Derby and Forest Uh, what did the three games have in common? Millwall, Derby and Forest in what year sorry? Uh, 2018-19 did we beat them all? Be daft. Oh. All, all oh. three games ended <laughs> nil nil. Oh oh. Yes, three games you after all three, all three away from home, all three ended nil nil. Uh, and that rounds off your referee stats for today. So, I mean, what what do you reckon then for this game? Are we are we keeping sort of? We mentioned last week about Smallbone, especially saying that it looks like he's not going to be here next season. At what point do you say to him? Do you shake his hand and say, "Thank you, Will. Thank you for your you you you've got a lot out of this low move. We've got a lot out of it, but we need to start looking to next season." Unfortunately, you're not going to be here, so we you know take a place on the bench, or you can have to sit in the stand because loney situation and whatever. Um, at what point does that happen? Does that happen now or in a couple of weeks' time, two, three, four games? Um, I mean, Dan, for me, I think it's when we can't get the playoffs anymore. And I know it's a distant possibility. Um, I, we say that, although I think we can win every single match exactly the, the season. Exactly what I was going to say that was. I think we're playing for as long as we, we're, in, we're in it. Because, I mean, seven wins, it's, it's not out of the question. 21 points, 72 points. That's going to be pretty close. So until we can't, until it's impossible, I'd play him every game. And do you know who I'd bring in? Two-faced? Nick Powell. Because then we can really <laughs> say, okay. If he's uh, but, 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 but yeah, that's this one. I mean, this is like to your and Dan, yours and Dan's point. If there's a place for Nick Powell, it could very well be in that position. So let's see if he can stay fit for the rest of the season and earn his contract or earn his extra six or 12 months. Because um, then he might have, you know, three or four games potentially uh, to, you know, full 90-minute games and see if he can do it. If he can't do it, then we've got our answer. 
So I think it's like a double whammy. Either he can play or he can't play. So would you have him there over the the false nine position that he played against Coventry? Yeah, yeah I think yeah. I would. Yeah, yeah. Same here. How are we looking at okay. centre-off weekend? What? He's, 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 he never gives us anything, does he? We, never, we don't even get crumbs. We get crumbs from crumbs from Alex Neal when it comes to injuries. <laughs> now, you mentioned Twan Zebi there, and I've got him in my side. Obviously, if he's not there, then obviously Jagiel comes back in. But if Axel's fit, I think he's got to play, Auntie. Yeah, I've got, I've got exactly I've just that one change. I've got the same side as the last game, but one change. If he does play, I mean, Selena, the Selena, the one obviously naturally has been the, the fall guy, if you like, the unfortunate one, anti out of all the loanies. Um, does he, again, does he just drop, drop out of the squad to make way for Axel, obviously, with the loney situation? Yeah, I think he does. It's it's sad, yeah, it is sad. Is he, is he a player you, you try and maybe bring bring back again next season? I mean, because it's not as if he's played badly when he's got on the pitch. I think he's just the circumstances and the fine form of uh, of the loanies that have been playing, isn't it? It's almost unfortunate for him that he hasn't been able to get a look in. I'm just looking at you would leave out. I mean, we were having a couple of young lads on the bench, weren't we? But uh, they, they they both injured. Low and Tazgall are injured, aren't yeah. they? Yeah, they're out for the season. They're out for the season, so we're not going to see them again. Oops. I mean, I on my side here, I... I did have Baker coming in for Smallbone and then um, and then obviously I was then going to put Sel- move Brown into the middle and have Selena on one of the wings just to have a look but I, I, I do get what you're saying there like that whilst we've still got this opportunity to, to make the playoffs we need to stick the strongest side out so actually I'm going to bow to what you two have said there and change my team. So, say, sorry, Selena, um, you were in the team, mate, but unfortunately, as you've probably had quite a few times in this loan spell, you are dropping out at the last minute. Um, yeah, Smallbone's going to come back in. Uh, Brown will have to go out on the left. And Nick Powell, you were on the bench uh, because I didn't want to give you two games in four days, but now you're back leading the line again for me. Um, yeah, the only change for me, Twanzebian for Jagielka, if he's not fit, then Jags retains his place. Um, are we not? Obviously, we are going to have. You know, we play Saturday. We've had a decent gap to Friday, but we've got another game on Monday. Um, probably a physical game against Birmingham as well. If he's thinking that we've got to win all seven, is is there a temptation to maybe pick both your sides before this game on Friday? Like you put all your eggs in the basket on Friday. Yeah, we win the game, but then come Monday, there's nothing left, and actually, we've got to win that game as well. There's no like if you if you do want to do anything at the end of the season, we've got to win both these games, and we and the rest of them going forward. There's no way that we can have the same start in eleven, and there's no way he 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 knows that. Um, so we're going to have no choice but to. I think we we play our strongest at home uh, against Bristol. I think Bristol will be more difficult than Birmingham. Birmingham are not a good side. So I don't think we need to worry an awful lot. We, I mean, have we proven? We have proven much, uh, we've beaten much better teams than uh, than Birmingham City. So I think that he will play his strongest team on Friday. I think he'll make a couple of changes. 
for the one at Birmingham. I don't think he'll make dramatic changes. He will trust the players to see if they're fit or not, and then he will go from there. But there, there will be changes, and you, mate, you, you, you're right. He, he will. He'll know exactly what teams he's going to play uh, these next two games. Who have you got on the bench? We've got what Fox, Thompson, Baker, Timon. Who will be the other one? Uh, Taylor, Gale, Thompson. I've got Fielding, Thompson, uh, Fielding, Thompson, Fox, Taylor. Gale, Tymon, yeah. uh, and and uh, Baker. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, there's no real room for the young lads, but I suppose you have got you know you've got Gale on there, you've got Tymon, you've got um, Baker. So you've got players who've got attack, attacking intent there, haven't you? If need be. Yeah. Um, and obviously we've got three on the pitch as well, and we and Powell, uh, Powell, uh, Campbell, and Brown. So we're starting with three three attackers as well. Um, it's Bristol. I mean, we're, we're talking. We, we're banging goals in left, right, and centre, aren't we? And having a right good time. Bristol City have only their only away goal in the last four hundred and ninety five minutes was a Naki Wells penalty at Sunderland. So on their travels, they are, are not scoring. Was that that was in February as well? Was that late February? Yeah, and you know, it's not as if I mean that's five and a half games. So you've got you've got Sunderland there. They've played Cardiff, Huddersfield, Swansea, and Luton. So apart from Luton, the other three aren't exactly you know, real top you know, top of the table sides either, are they? Like no. tough places. Um, I mean, Naki That was I think that was Naki Wells' last goal as well, which is. I was, yeah, it was. I was going to say, sorry, he's got no goal in his last eight. Um, he's only scored two goals that weren't penalties in his last 25 matches. That's potentially dangerous, isn't it, coming up against us? <laughs> well, well, it is because one of those two goals was actually against us in December as well. <laughs> yeah, but we, won, but we won that game, so... He did. Um, also, um, Vyman... Andreas Weiman, so after scoring in his first four games of the season, he's only scored two in his last 38 matches. So both the forwards really aren't, you know, I think what happened was they lost Semenyo. Semenyo? Yeah. Um, yeah, they lost him in January and he went to Bournemouth for a big money deal then to and I think he was a lot of the key then to, I think he was quite athletic and sort of got about a lot in the, in the forward areas. And sort of you give them some sort of a platform to play off, didn't they? And I think without him, I think they, they, they've struggled. And I think that's obviously coming through in them stats there. And you know, obviously, this yeah. since the turn of the year, they've they've not been able to score goals. Simon's more of a wide man, isn't he? He does, yeah. He plays on the right. He's he's a player actually. I wouldn't mind seeing a Stoke shirt at some stage, but never happens. No, I mean they've got. I mean, I was looking at the, actually obviously looking into how they were playing, and they've actually got a young lad called Tommy Conway. So he's he's twenty one. He's been playing as a number ten. So he made his comeback from injury against Reading last weekend and scored. Um, but he was another one. He started well, had seven goals by mid September, and but he's played twenty three matches since then and only scored three, including that one last weekend. So again, all. Like I say, all the forwards, 
seem to be struggling, don't they, at the minute for them. So yeah. hopefully we don't have Charity Stoke turn up. That <laughs> <laughs> um, has been all too common, hasn't it, in recent years. And we can, you know, we take advantage of the fact that that you know that, that uh, they're out of form, whatever. And, you know, they're not going to be full of confidence in front of goal. I think, as is always the case with us, it's going to be the first goal that's key, isn't it? Because if they yeah. do get it, especially like I say, with with not not as scoring late, many lately. As of late, we've we've kind of turned that statistic around a little bit, though, haven't we? Going going behind and coming back, we have actually come back in a couple of games. Yeah, ironically, I think Bristol City was the first time, wasn't it, that we started yeah. doing it. Um, yeah, I mean, they've only got two clean sheets since mid-October. Both of them games were nil-nil. Got Millwall and Huddersfield. Um, Millwall, December, Huddersfield in March. So, again, that's not a great... That doesn't say that they're going to keep us out either. I mean... There's not many sides who can keep that at the minute, especially ones with you know leaky defences against most clubs. Um, I mean, what what are you what are you thinking as a, as a I mean, we've got the team now. I think we've all settled on the same side, aren't we, Mike? I mean, what did you? Um, were you in the same as me and Anto? Just the one change, Twanzibi coming back in. Uh, yeah, that that's pretty much it. You can't really change it. Uh, a, a winning team can you really too dramatically uh, like I say I do think it'll be a completely different ball game when we're talking about the Monday match uh, but yeah going into that Twan ZB is the only change for me and I'm going to go for a comprehensive 3-0 win I like that I like that I, I think we'll I think we'll score goals and 100% I I, I Again, I am scared of absolutely nobody, and it's taken three quarters of the season to get there. But I, I'm scared. And honestly, I'm scared of no team. Uh, I think we're scoring goals for fun. Uh, confidence is high. Dan's just said that Bristol don't score goals um, away from home. I, I don't see a scenario where we lose this game at all. I'll give for two 0 two 0 for Stoke. I, I've actually got it written down here, Mike. Three 0 Brown Baker Campbell. Oh, scorers as well. Yeah, so it'll have to be Brown Campbell and Baker come on late on. And uh, as we, as he scored quite a few actually, Anthony when he's come off the bench, and maybe when we've hit people on the break. Yeah, I don't, I don't fancy a penalty. Looking at these ref, ref statistics, he's not given a lot of penalties, is he? But <laughs> no, if he is, he'll probably be down the other end. <laughs> yeah. And a red yeah. card. Don't, don't. Well, there are our predictions. So, what we're going to do, as as always, we're going to dive into uh, Graham McGarry now and listen to what Graham's prediction is for the match. Hello there, you Potters predictors. Are you getting ready now for your double header over the Easter weekend? First port of call, of course, is Good Friday afternoon against Bristol City when Nigel Pearson brings his side to the Bet365. Then it's a short trip down the M6 to Birmingham City for the Easter Monday game. Just let you into something after that terrific best win of the season away from home last weekend. I have a little wager, you know, now and then on the old betting slips. And I have three bets, both teams to score and the team to win. Two came right, one let me down. I bet you can guess what let me down. 
Surely they could have just let a consolation goal in, couldn't they? 4 0 up. But never mind, it's all about being professional. And that's what Alex Neal will be saying to his players as they come into the three o'clock kickoff on Friday afternoon. They've got to build on that result last weekend at Coventry and take the points in front of their home fans. Full of confidence, surely got to be. Good squad of players to choose from. Bonuses that players coming back from injury. Nick Powell included in that. And Stoke will go into this one. Surely red-hot favourites to take three points. And that's where we're going. No goals conceded this week either. So don't bet both teams to score. And when I beg your pardon, don't back it today. Don't back it tomorrow. Don't back it on the match day. Because Stoke are going to win this game. Two goals to nil. Cheers for that, Graham. Uh, it's confidence as always with State, so full house of state wins. Uh, that's interesting. Now, let's see if uh, Patch Warner has sent us some audio. So he's from the Three Peeps in a Pod podcast, uh, obviously about Bristol City, Bristol City Pod. Uh, let's see what he's got to say. Hey there, this is Patch from Three Peeps in a Podcast, the Bristol City post match reaction bonus show. Um, so, yeah, Stoke on Good Friday. It's going to be an interesting one. Uh, won a bit of money on the last away trip with Jada Silva scoring a goal from nowhere. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be um, a funny one because we've played OK for spells of the game against Reading on Saturday just gone and uh, only got a draw. I think Reading needed the draw a lot more than we did because of their six points deduction from the other day. So, um, yeah, we, we just didn't deal with Andy Carroll's aerial threat um, and then Zhao flicking it on for the goal. That was their only real opportunity and they took it. Um, we created a lot but didn't have the end product. Great to see Tommy Conway back for us, back on the score sheet. Obviously, Matty James back in the team as well to hold things together in the midfield. So, yeah, we've got um, possibly Carl Naismith coming back as well, who will either play as a defensive midfielder or in uh, in the defence, which might free up Campering to go back to his preferred left-back spot. Obviously, Alex Scott is uh, the name that everyone's talking about at the moment, but he will be injured, unfortunately. He got injured in the England uh, under-20s game. So, yeah, it's going to be an interesting one to see what happens. But uh, always confident. I don't know um, how you guys are faring at the moment, but we are indifferent, I would say, after a period of really good results. So I'm going to go for a draw, in fact. I'm going to go 1-1 and Tommy Conway to get another goal for us. He will hopefully be playing in uh, a number 10 role like he did on Saturday or he might even be back up front with Naki Wells in a two who who knows but yeah all the very best to you and uh, might see you good Friday a uh, draw so I mean that's no good to anyone is it <laughs> nobody wants a draw in these kind of games and um Neither team have got. I, I, I say neither team have got anything to play for. Like I say, we have got that minute chance, haven't we? Of you know, hundred percent record will get us maybe sneaking a playoff place. Uh, but for Bristol City, 
you know, is a draw any use to them? You know, they can't. They're not going to go up. They're not going to go down. Are they two points behind us? Is it four? Yeah, four I think. Yeah, and I think maybe maybe they're just playing for a top half finish. I'm confident. Yeah, they've got they've got nothing to play for at all. Um, again, they if they go one nil down, double uh, that. Okay, whatever. Uh, I I don't think they'll be that bothered. I really don't. I mean, they're pretty safe, aren't they? As well. 49 is going to be safe, I would imagine. Oh, yeah, with all the points deductions going on in this division yeah. and the well, teams there. Any, any it's above us can get these? Have we, what's the news? Does anybody know? Anybody above but, us? I, I don't think so. Maybe we can maybe send uh, how, how much money Gary Rowett spent as Stoke manager out and see if Millwall can get some points deducted. We've <laughs> <laughs> got their manager did. That certainly contravenes financial fair play. <laughs> we've got to win, haven't we? That's, 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 that's the end of the day. We've got to win this match. And I think as well, maybe, like I say, it has got to be, we've got to be 2 0 up at half time or 3 0 up, and we've got to be comfortable where we can rotate the squad a bit during the second half, make a few early subs, keep people fresh for Monday because then we've got to go and get three points again there and then we've got to be ready again for the following weekend against West Brom um, which is always going to be a big game anyway but if we can get if we get two more wins and especially if the, the sides six to ten start dropping points over Easter you know get a couple of draws you know maybe Millwall only draw two games or you know Norwich lose one draw one then Come that West Brom game next, the the atmosphere is going to be electric until next Saturday. Yeah, Tess, do you think seventy two will be enough? Looking at sixth and fifth, they're both on sixty one now. Just looking at you from that. I don't fancy them to win four games out of seven. So yeah, yeah I think it could well, be. Blackburn have got eight, but I don't fancy Melbourne four to seven. So yeah, yeah. After that, I mean, Luton are pretty clear. I was on the sixty-seven. It's got to be that fifth or sixth place. Yeah, I, th- I think it is. I think it's just that Millwall slot. I think the top five will be in there. How have Luton got sixty-seven points? They're a good team. I know we don't want to admit it, but they're a good team. Mm. They're very well-organized, well-drilled team. Maybe I'm just biased because the Lavs have Nathan Jones, and I'm still upset about it. <laughs> And then improved. <laughs> They've improved since he's left them, haven't they? Um, by the way, just just a, a funny one. So last week we we faced Robbins, didn't we? The commentary manager, uh, longest serving manager of all the, the managers in this division, uh, Coventry. And now this week we play the Robbins, who have Nigel Pearson, who's two years, two months, uh, make him the third longest serving manager in this division. Uh, Alex Neal, I think we mentioned this before when you've been on Ante, but Alex Neal's still sat in 11th place in that table, by the way, waiting for a few sackings above him. <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it? It's absolutely amazing. I know, 14 managers have lost their jobs. Well, 14 clubs. There's probably some yeah. who are on the seven, third manager. Seven of them. Seven of them were Watford managers. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, it's 14 clubs. Um because I'm sure, like I said, there'll be some managers, who, some clubs who've, who've doubled up, especially Watford. I can't believe he's still got a job. He's lost the last two, Auntie. That's, that's, that's usually enough. <laughs> um, 
Right, so prediction tables. Mike, you we still we're still lagging behind Graham, mate. He he pulled another two points out, didn't he? Because we all went for the draw last weekend. Me, you and Ben, yeah. we all had the one all. So I've still got 42, you still got 41. Uh, opposition fans still 25. Graham is now 51 points. He's got a nine-point lead over me, 10 over you. Um, Super 6. Now, there's actually... I forgot to do it at the weekend. My run of my run of duty come to an end. And then I even saw... Uh, on, I was watching Super Sunday on Sky, and, the, and he said, "Oh, there's Super Super Six midweek." I thought, "Oh, right, don't forget that." Yeah, I forgot to do it then. So I remembered. I think they just cut it off about ten minutes prior, <laughs> um, so I'm no good. But yeah, before the midweek one, I'd, I'll let a look. I, I was seventy fourth uh, with two hundred and fifty seven points. You were sixty fourth with two hundred ninety eight. But I do know you've had a good, you've had a good midweek from what I could see. Eleven points, yeah. Um, yeah, so you've pulled the way down with three hundred and nine, so you've got a fifty-two point lead over me. Um to be fair, the weekend, I doubt I would have got any more than two points looking at the results. Uh, but yeah, the midweek one I think that's that stung me. I, I think I could have collected a few more <laughs> a few more midweek. Just finished off Super Six. Luke Jones is top on four oh eight. Ben Dawson's second on four oh six. And we've got joint third place. Um, from Mr. Green and Mr. Simpson, who are both on three nine eight, uh, Gaffer. Now, much much easier this because even if I don't change the team, I'll still pick something up. Um, so, nineteenth place I am. I got forty four points this week, uh, two thousand one hundred eighty one. Mike, you are seventy. Uh, you are seventy. You are set twenty seconds. Sorry, you got seventy points. Due to two thousand seventy-two, you played your triple triple boost. I noticed this week. Did it do any good for you? Um, eh, Matson got me fifteen points at the back. Uh, Akpom got me twenty-one. That's pretty much it. Everyone else is low sevens and eights, to be honest, and ones and twos. So yeah, Akpom and Matson. They've dragged me out of it, I think. Yeah, good old that Pom. He's, he's a good man having the minute at the minute, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. He's banging him in. Uh top three, as always, Jack Corrin, three one nine two, Pucky Blinders three oh five oh, and at Stoke Gaffer three oh four four. So well done to everybody mentioned there. Uh I think that is everything. I think we can let people go back to their Easter eggs now and uh, prepare for the game. <laughs> Yeah, well, I need my Easter egg. I've not actually got one yet. So, um, Daniel, we, we should buy a we, we should buy an Easter egg, and we, we should I don't know maybe, maybe uh, Sunday when we're when we're recording this podcast or whatever day we do it, we'll we'll eat our Easter eggs together, shall we? Well, you say record on Sunday. I mean, the game's Monday, so I hope that it's out Sunday morning. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, <laughs> hey, well, we, we've already recorded this one. Let's just record the next one right after this. <laughs> yeah, we'll just take it. We'll just, we'll just. If if the if the review of Bristol City doesn't sound anything like the game you watched, then it's because we've <laughs> hit stop and started again. <laughs> recorded the, <laughs> recorded it now. And Anto's <laughs> going to put on a on a different voice and pretend to be Ben yeah, Rowley. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, are, are you going to the game, Anto? Yeah, I'll be there Friday. Um, uh, I'm going to frequent uh, Ricardo's for the first time before the game. I haven't been in. 
No, I haven't yet. So I'm gonna I'm going with the girls. I'm gonna go. We're gonna go early, and go have something to eat in Ricardo's before the match. So I'll, I'll report back, Mike, on what I'll, I'll have. I'll give it a a little um, review. <laughs> yeah, ready for next season when we go every single game, uh, every time before the matches, eh? Yes, that's the one. What's is there? Is there an early game on Friday? There's a championship match on Sky, and they'll be they'll have that on in there. Happy days, right? Adios to everybody, and like I say, we, your next podcast is out on Sunday morning. It's all a bit jumbled up at the minute with Easter, but yes, the Birmingham podcast it will be out Sunday morning when we shall uh, the promotion playoff charge will be gathering even more pace. Let's hope. <laughs> <laughs> See you later. (laughs) Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.